Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. A very special Friday at Talladega for Dale Earnhardt Jr. This was just moments ago. The track presenting the sport's most popular driver with the Chevrolet that his father won the 1980 Cup Series championship with. He took his new gift for a quick spin around the track, posing for pictures. Both Jr. and his late father have put Talladega on the map over the course of their careers. 16 Cup Series wins between them. What a nice way to start the weekend. What a nice way to start the weekend, and we have a rare opportunity to be live at the track for the next hour right here on NASCAR America. And just a minute ago, Junior joined Marty Snyder. Well, how about that? Happy birthday, huh? Of all the birthday gifts you got, and how's that one ring? That was great. Uh, track's going to uh, – actually, the, the state of Alabama owns this car, and they're going to let us take it to uh, – uh, Mooresville, North Carolina, and show it around uh, in our in our shop. So it's going to be fun for the guys. And I got to take it for a couple laps. That was fun. I drove <laughs> it through the garage so all the guys on the team could see it. Uh, pretty neat. Just trying to imagine, you know, what it'd be like, you know, running one around here at 180, 190 mile an hour. So for for those at home who don't know, help us understand what this car exactly is. Well, this car is a uh, 1979 Monte Carlo. Uh, Dad drove this car and in. Uh, uh, his rookie season, he probably ran in his cup, uh, championship season too in 1980, and um, they ran a uh, they ran a Monte Carlo here in '79, but in in '80 uh, they ran a Oldsmobile 442. <laughs> but this was uh, this was a car this is the kind of car he ran at Bristol and all the short tracks and mile and a half. How many chances have you actually gotten to drive one of your dad's race cars? Is this one of the, the few times? Well, I drove his uh, number three Goodrich car a couple times uh, at some tests um, that first year we were together, but never anything old like this, you know, with some real history. And I love to be able to sit in the car and just see the perspective of how much, uh, you know, what what the view was like. And um, so different than our cars today, you know, no, there's no headrest or nothing like that. And you just kind of see everything, and 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 uh, there's a lot of wind moving around, and pretty crazy. Of all the things you've gotten, is this the biggest surprise, Dale? I'm uh I'm pretty surprised. I didn't think I was going to take home a, a race car to, from this uh, this weekend, but uh, just got to thank Talladega Speedway, State of Alabama. They've been really good to me, and hopefully we can get them a win this weekend. This place has been good to Dale Earnhardt Jr. and today the track repays him a little bit. How cool is that? Championship car from Dale Earnhardt Sr. Rod Osterlin, the owner. Back then, Doug Richard was a crew chief. How about that? He Dale, Dale Earnhardt Jr. now gets to keep that car. Marty, thank you. And with that, we welcome you in NASCAR America. Carolyn Mano here, joined from Talladega, also by the Mayor Jeff Burton and our crew chief, Steve Letarte. What a nice way, Steve, for Junior to start the weekend. Maybe that'll bring him just a little bit of luck as he looks to get that win in his final full-time season as a Cup Series driver. 
Yeah, I know this is a track that he's had circled, as he mentioned, so much success here at Talladega. But we've seen him, Jeff, get all these different gifts as we go. But you and I were watching out the windows. He took those laps, and it was amazing. It looked really cool to see that two making laps here at Talladega. Yeah, I can't imagine sitting in the seat of the car that my father drove, right, to a, to a championship, his rookie of the year, all those kind of things. And, you know, I've had the honor of driving some old cars at the Southern 500 when we do our telecast. And when you get in those cars, you realize, well, how different <laughs> the world is today. And But I just can't imagine driving your father's car. I like what Junior said right before he got in, guys. He said, are we sure that the brakes are working in this thing before we take it for a couple of laps? But definitely a great way to start our show. We're live, like I said, from Talladega for the next complete hour. Jeff Burton is actually going to take us uh, for some laps in something a little bit newer. Um, and Junior, of course, receiving that meaningful gift. We'll bring you a little bit more on that. We also have Rutledge Wood. And like you just saw, Marty Snyder bringing us interviews with other drivers all day long. But let's start with Cup Series practice from just a few hours ago. Steve and Jeff on the call for that right here on NBCSN. Martin Truex Jr. had to start practice by serving a 30-minute penalty on pit road, and he also served a 15-minute penalty in the final practice. The delay there stemmed from inspection issues in previous weeks. But early in the session, we saw 10-4 driver Steve going out on the track together. Yeah, Carolyn, it's always a balance of how much risk you want to take by spending time on the racetrack. But at some point, these teams have to get together. So we see manufacturers kind of get together. That's what they were doing here. And then the one incident of practice, Jimmy Johnson with a flat left rear tire spins around. Wasn't even up to speed, just accelerating through turn three. So that was probably the oddest thing we've seen all day. He was uh, pushed to pit road slowly, practice red flagged for about... 10 minutes and Jimmy and the crew chief checking out. So you mentioned this in the broadcast, Steve, looking at some pictures uh, of what exactly was happening when the car was coming down the backstretch when the tire went flat. And then uh, Jeff, Joe Gibbs Racing and Furniture Row Racing kind of doing the same thing, running, you know, in a pack here just a little bit. Yeah, and a few Chevrolets uh, snuck in that pack as well. And the whole key to this, Carolyn, is that you have a group of drivers that are like-minded, that understand the mission, uh, go out and try to learn what you can learn, but not get in wrecks. We had a great opportunity to ride along with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, with the helmet cam. It's going to be so much fun on Sunday watching one of the best plate racers ever manipulate and try to get his way to the front when he finds his way to the back, because that's going to happen. You're going to get shuffled back, and you're going to have to find your way to the front. And Riding along with Dale Jr. on Sunday is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is actually a great sneak peek of what fans who are watching us today are going to have to look forward to over the weekend with the six-time Talladega winner with the helmet camera. So let's uh, look at the current playoff leaderboard if we can. So Martin Truex Jr., who you saw at the top of those highlights, advanced, of course, to the round of eight with his win last week. He can breathe a little bit easier than everybody else. Those other drivers, not so much. We heard from some of them today. Let's start with Matt Kenseth. I think with the stages and being at the second race of the round and all that, um, I think, you know, probably, you know, what he's saying is you're going to race for position every single lap of every race, you know, with the stages. Is the risk of getting up there to get one point? Maybe. Maybe. You might not even get that. Is it worth the risk of crashing and getting no points the rest of the day? Those are the, th those are the decisions that drivers will have to weigh out in, in the heat of the battle out there. The stages are important. No, it's probably not worth wrecking yourself to, uh, to get some stage points, but if you can make it, make it work and get some, great. Um, but ultimately, you know, I'd still like to be a part of the event when it's over. You're going to race for position every single lap of every race, you know, with the stages and the points you're going to need to try to transfer to the next round. But that intensity level will pick up 
as each lap gets closer to the end of the stage um, and, and the decisions that drivers will make will be kind of interesting uh, depending on what they're trying to do. Steve, we're going to have much more on the strategy of the weekend and trying to predict what is a very unpredictable race. But I just want to go back to what we saw at practice today. It is worth noting that Ford had the nine fastest speeds in the opening practice. Brad Keselowski was the fastest. And I know that that's something that both of you uh, pointed out while you were watching practice today. Yeah, Carolyn, it's so hard to watch practice and look at just the time charts to understand who's good, who has speed here at Talladega. But, Jeff, you know, Fords have won the last six restrictor plate races, and I think that continued on today. While there was no guarantees with what cars will run up front, what we did see is a group of cars and a group of manufacturers that seemed like they could kind of move around and had speed when they needed it. Yeah, and, and I think I think you cannot ignore recent history. I, I don't think that what happened 10 years ago here makes any difference whatsoever, but if you look at recent history and you don't look at the Fords as perhaps favorites, then you're not paying much attention because they have had speed. And some of the best plate racers are, are Ford drivers as well. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, those guys, Kevin Harvick, they're really good restricted plate races. So uh, I, I would not be surprised one bit to see them find their way into victory lane on Sunday. And Steve, what about what happened to Jimmy Johnson? Is that something that is significant enough that fans should be paying attention to as we head into the weekend? Well, Carolyn, I don't think it really hindered the 48 and their approach to the weekend. It was a lucky break that it happened basically when they were by themselves out on the racetrack. And that really is is the whole story of Talladega. You mentioned how unpredictable. Well, look at this. This is a simple piece of debris that cuts a hole in a left rear tire. The 48 spins around. No harm, no foul because it was practice and because he was out there by himself. But these cars will not have the option to run by themselves on Sunday afternoon. He will be in a 30 or a 40 car pack. That same piece of debris cuts a tire in that situation. It's going to be a huge accident and it's going to cost the 48 a lot of points and everyone in the playoffs are going to try to avoid those types of accidents. And with Chad Canals wanting to see the pictures right away, he's just immediately assessing what the potential damage could be. We saw like a little bit of mini repairs happening right there in that last piece of video, but nothing substantial as far as we can tell. I don't think there was a lot of damage, but I think, Jeff, more than seeing the damage, they were using those pictures to try to understand what happened. Did something come off the car and go through the tire? But it seems like through those pictures, which is great technology, it really answers the question of what these teams are doing. Think about that. Live, real-time photos of practice going on. They can look at their cars and still shots, understanding the height and the attitude of the car. In this instance, they can understand what happened to that tire to see if it was something they caused or just you know, a foul luck on the backstretch. Yeah, and also remember the first report from Jimmy Johnson was he said he felt like something broke in the rear. He knew he had a flat tire, but also something may have broken in the rear. So they're immediately thinking, okay, what kind of problems do we have? Not only that we have a wrecked race car, but what kind of pro what could have broken? What could have, uh, what can bite us again on Sunday? So having those pictures and just being a go back and say, okay, here's, here's the, we can see right here that clearly the left rear tire is down. And, and, and not then all of a sudden saying, okay, we don't have to worry about the suspension stuff. That's just bad luck running over something. Well, at this point in the week, gentlemen, we've heard just about everybody try to predict what is completely unpredictable, and that is Talladega. The numbers back that up as well. We don't know what we're going to get this weekend. Seven of the 13 Talladega playoff races have been won on a last lap pass. Even more amazing is that there haven't been any at all of the other playoff tracks combined. There have been five Talladega playoff races won by non-playoff drivers. That's the most of any track. And also under this current playoff format, there have been four drivers eliminated at Talladega who entered the race above the cut line. So this year's race, Jeff, not an elimination race, 
But that being said, how does this unpredictability at this track still affect these playoff drivers for how they are going to plan moving forward for what comes next, which is an elimination race? Well, Carolyn, everybody thinks about Talladega and they think about the wrecks, and surely that's part of the conversation. But also is the opportunity to come off turn four, running in the position you need to be in with a good finish and come across the start-finish line, nowhere where you need to be. And this has happened several times at this racetrack in particular. So if we look at Casey Kane, he is in pretty good shape. This it was while it was a cutoff race. He makes a move. He thinks it's the right move, but when he did it, he ended up four wide in the middle. Look at the cars going by him. And so as this long front straightaway happens, normally the start-finish line is right here at most racetracks, but here it's all the way down toward turn one. And those cars getting by him eliminated him from the playoffs. That's how close it is. You can come off turn four earning the points you think you deserve, Steve, having a good race all day long and lose six, seven spots from turn four to the start-finish line. And that can be the difference when you transfer into the round eight and not. And I think the big point of emphasis here is it's no longer a cut race, which I think is spe spectacular. Because in a cut rate, it's very well defined what you have to do so teams can be aggressive, but they can also lay back and work whatever strategy gains them as many points as they need. Well, now that it's the second race in the round of 12, every driver other than Martin Truex Jr. has to go out here and earn points. They have to be aggressive to what level we don't know. We're, we can all guess and predict, but the simple fact is that points will have to be earned because heading to Kansas, no one wants to leave Talladega being conservative and then going to Kansas thinking they have to run in the top five or have to win that race. So you think back, you mentioned Casey Kane. We've seen cars tie here. That great battle between Austin Dillon and uh, Denny Hamlin last year was probably one of the funnest battles to call because it ends up being tied. 18 inches or so is the difference between two cars advancing. And when you look at the craziness of the pack, it amazes me that it could simply come down to one or two positions. You see the three losing positions. Well, as they come to the start-finish line, as you mentioned, past the travel all the way down it comes down to a battle between Denny Hamlin and the 41 of Kurt Busch which seems to be just one position on the racetrack but it ends up being about an 18 inch difference at the start finish line and that one point that one position is what allowed Denny Hamlin to continue and the three not well this year no one knows until they get to Kansas so they're going to have to continue to fight for all those spots yeah and Steve I think the other thing about this not being a cutoff race is that the fact they don't know but the thing that we do know is that points are harder to get here for the teams that normally run well so if you think about martin truex if you think about kyle bush kevin harvey the guys that have been getting stage points it's harder here because more teams can run well so if you're going to go get those stage points you're going to have to do it against people you don't normally have to compete against and the teams that are not in the playoffs have more bearing on what happens at this racetrack than anywhere else we go. And what they decide to do, because remember, they're here to win the race as well. They're not here with an opportunity to win the championship, but they're here to win this singular race. And this, by the way, is the only chance for a lot of the teams to get that win. So what is their strategy? Do they just ride around in the back, hope there's big wrecks, less people to beat at the end of the race, try to position themselves late? Or do they get in there and dig and try to make things happen to position themselves get that track position. Those guys are going to have a huge bearing on who comes out of here in good shape with the points and who doesn't come out of here. And this is the place that we can see someone win a race that's not in the playoffs. 
and take away that automatic bid into the next round from somebody that is in the playoffs. So basically, Karen, what we've learned is Talladega <laughs> is no more predictable now than when we started the day a few hours ago. <laughs> well, I know that Junior Nation is hoping that maybe one of those outliers could be Dale Earnhardt Jr. And he did just get a little bit of extra practice time. Granted, that was a Chevrolet from the 80s, but maybe you'll take every single thing that you can get heading into the weekend. Uh, we also want to tell you about one other piece of news that's coming out today. Joe Gibbs Racing announcing uh, something involving one of NASCAR's rising stars, and that is Christopher Bell. He's going to run full-time in the Xfinity Series next year. Bell is currently first on the Truck Series playoff leaderboard, already securing a spot in the next round. So JGR is going to announce his sponsor and his car number and crew chief, all of that coming at a later date. But we wanted to pass that on. Meantime, we've got more from Talladega coming up, including why one playoff driver actually thinks that the first half of this race is going to be unlike anything we have ever seen at Talladega before. We'll tell you what that is when we come back. Well, the theme of the day so far is that anything goes at Talladega, which means you do not want to miss a single minute of this weekend's race. Make sure you're with us Sunday, 2 Eastern over on NBC. A playoff driver's hopes of advancing to the next round can be dashed in a single instant. We want to make sure that you see everything and the two key things that are different from last fall's playoff race. The fact that Sunday's race no longer leads to elimination, like we just discussed, and also the introduction of stage racing, of course. And Denny Hamlin made a prediction for how the strategy may actually change when he joined Marty Snyder earlier this week. There is no laying back in this race. I think that you know nobody feels safe where they're at. Uh, so you're going to want to go up there and race for for stage points uh, because you you don't you can't guarantee that you're going to be in the field when it when the points are paid at the right. end of the day. So you have to do everything you can to get as many points as you can. Uh, but I, I think it'll be somewhat calm for the first two stages because people want to they want to stick around um, <laughs> for the end but uh, I suspect the last 10 laps is just going to be mayhem. So no one laying back like that was smart what your teammates were doing last year but I know it frustrated you you were trying to race your way in you don't think if you're in the playoffs you can afford to lay back Sunday correct? Martin Truex he's the only guy that can that, that can afford to do it uh, but my guess is he's got nothing to lose so he will be uh, a guy that's going to be very aggressive uh, on Sunday and hopefully someone that uh, will will we can work with uh, you know last year that was the challenge is my teammates were pretty much locked in so they ran in the back of the pack and I had to run up front and try to battle with all these other teammates all day long and that was a that was a tough task so you know, we know we'll have them all up there with us on Sunday, and hopefully we can work together like we did uh, at Daytona a few years ago. So, Steve, Denny Hamlin thinks that the first two stages are going to be somewhat calm. Do you agree with that? I don't think I can buy into that. I don't blame Denny Hamlin for maybe trying to sell that in the garage because he's above the bubble line. He's 13 points to the good. So for him, a calm first and second stage is a great call. If he could somehow get in the top five, top seven, and earn some stage points, he can kind of cushion himself to that cut line. But if you're Ricky Stenhouse Jr. or Ryan Blaney, who are currently five and ten points out respectively, they're going to push the issue. They don't want calm. They want aggression because that could be their chance. One good stage finish for either of those drivers can instantly kind of erase the debt, Jeff, and they can move back up and into this playoff leaderboard. So while I understand what Denny's saying, and I completely agree about the last 10 laps being just chaos, I think it's going to be the last four or five laps of each stage where that the pressure intensifies. Well, the last 10 laps, every one of these races is chaos, whether it's stage points or not. It's just Talladega. The, the, the thing that the thing that I know from past experience is that 
the fact that you're coming to get points, and the only way to get points is to be aggressive and to push and to try to make things happen, that tells me that it is going to get aggressive. Now, I'm not saying that if you're going to see Rex on lap three because that's counterproductive. However, if track position matters the way we've seen it matter, and you need to be in the top ten, you have to, at the start of the green flag, as soon as they drop it, you've got to start positioning yourself because you don't have the whole race. You only have the end of the stage. And that tells me that it will get aggressive very early. And it's, to be honest, restrictor plate races are the races that concerned me with this new formula of points. Because what we what what is asked of drivers to do on restrictor plate racing is pretty high. I mean, the, the risk level is pretty high here. And when you start playing, paying points for how you run in segments, it's, you know, it's, it's dicey. You're getting drivers put in positions they don't, you know, they wouldn't normally be in. And now we know how much the points mean. Earlier in the year, during the regular season, we didn't really understand it. But it's completely in the driver's eyes and their faces. They have no choice but to go attack and try to get those stage points. And that is, means that there could be chaos. I hope we see good, hard racing. That's what I hope we see. I hope we don't see a bunch of wrecks. But good, hard racing here many times creates wrecks. But you and I have had this conversation. What I don't know is how the non-playoff drivers are going right. to race for those stage finishes. Now I know when it's the checkered flag of the race, I don't care if you're in the playoffs or not. There's a trophy on the line, and I expect everyone to push. But when we see two to go in stage one, and Joey Logano, who's not in this for the points, is he going to continue to push the issue, or is he going to bow out? Is he going to say, you know what? Not that I'm trying to help you guys, but the best strategy for me and my race team is to take a step aside to preserve my opportunity to win the race later. And those guys have the ability to drive the way they want to. Their personality, they're going to drive the way. We see Ryan Newman a lot of times here. He, he rides around the back. We see Clint Boyer a lot of times here rides around the back. But if those two guys were in this playoff contention, they may have to get out of what they really want to do. And so, do the, so does everyone else in the playoffs. So the only ones with the luxury of driving this race 100% the way they want to are the guys that aren't in the playoffs. The guys that are in the playoffs, the situation is going to dictate what they're going to have to do. Yeah, Martin Truex Jr. also maybe breathing a little bit easy, but the points matter to him as well moving forward. Nobody really is safe that's vying for that championship. We don't know how these stages are going to impact things. We can only talk about it at this point in time. Here's what I do know. Rutledge Wood is going to have a good time at Talladega, regardless of what happens on the track for the most part. Rut, where are you? What do you got? Carolyn, you are so right about that. If there's fun to be had at a racetrack, I'm going to find it. I'm actually on top of an RV over here right outside of turn four. And we're actually just by where Jimmy Johnson uh, got sideways earlier when they were talking about how he lost that tire in practice. We're here on my buddy Pee Wee's bus. The crazy thing when you think about seeing that car come down the track and something that the fans really get to see here in person is with 32.5 degrees of banking, that, that wall is almost three stories tall up there three stories so you saw jimmy slowing down he's also bringing a ton of forces he's coming down the hill with him but fans got a chance to see not only one of the coolest things ever dale earnhardt jr cruising around his dad's old monte carlo but when you realize like that was a time when that that car honestly one of the ugliest street cars ever made but when you see it in race trim you realize like it's maybe one of the coolest cars ever to hit a track it's got the, it's like a pug right it's kind of <laughs> so ugly that it's cool again but peewee uh, you know normally when we're down here uh, for talladega there's campfires. It's cold. This feels like uh, winter in Miami. It's hot. You guys drove down from Virginia? Yes, sir, we did. And why was this a race that you could not miss? It's bucket list, baby. Really? Is there anybody special you wanted to see? I want to see Junior win. You think he's got a shot? I think he's got a shot. And uh, consequently, 
the three car pulling a victory off would even be just as nice. Okay, so you take you anything related to to the Earnhardt family, you'd yes, be good sir. with. Yes, sir. I can't blame you. I can't blame you, Caroline. I tell you what, <laughs> I I think I had packed jeans, but it may have been that I needed shorts. This may have been a jean shorts weekend. But he is not. I tell you what, Pee Wee's not the only junior fan here. <laughs> everywhere you go in this infield right now, there are 88s everywhere. Dale Jr. has got a ton of fans pulling for him here. I am really surprised that you don't have shorts yes, in your suitcase already. Baby. I thought for sure that you it's would be packing those regardless. <laughs> All right, Pee Wee's you know getting what? amped I actually, up. <laughs> I loaned Steve my jorts. We're okay. the same size. So Steve's got them this week, and I get them back uh, in two weekends. You know what? Pee Wee is getting amped up already. One of many of Junior Nation who wants Junior to win. But Talladega has right. produced some fond memories for Brad Kozlowski as well, Rut. He has won there four times. Can Brad continue for its recent run of restrictor plate dominance? We're going to discuss Brad K's chances this weekend when we come back. among the remaining 12 playoff drivers. He scored a must-win there back in the 2014 playoff race. Of course, that's just one of several memorable moments Kozlowski has had at NASCAR's biggest track in Sweet Alabama. For the first time in his NASCAR Cup career, Brad Kozlowski is in victory lane. Brad Keselowski. Time is almost up at Talladega. Who's going to be at the right place at the right time? Brad brings them into the trial as they're crashing further back. The caution is out and the checkered flag waves over Brad Keselowski. Number four, that feels really good. Thank you, everybody. All right, so Steve and Jeff, we've talked a lot about Dale Earnhardt Jr. Let's talk about Brad Keselowski's chances this weekend. How much does his previous experience have this weekend? Well, I think it has to be high. I mean, he's the second on the list of active drivers with wins here with four, only behind Dale Earnhardt Jr. And not only has he found success at Talladega, but he's done it in this playoff format. He came here in a must-win at a track that we keep saying is impossible to predict, but yet he did the unpredictable by winning that race and moving forward in the playoffs. And the style in which he won that race was incredible. That was one of the best drives I've ever seen. He, From the time they dropped the green flag in that race, he decided, I want the lead. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to keep it. And he got very aggressive. And when you're plate racing, trying to win a race, you honestly have to put yourself in position where you know you might get wrecked. You, you, that's just what you have to do. And he did that all day long on that day. And I think coming out of Charlotte last week where they did not run well, that has to shake their confidence going to Kansas. And so why does Kansas matter at Talladega? Because if you don't have confidence, you can run as well as you need to at Kansas then you better make this work. So I wonder what Brad Keselowski's mindset is going into this race. Does he feel like he, if obviously if he wins this race, you're moving on no matter what happens at Kansas, but how much is he willing to risk? On that day, he was willing to risk everything. 
because he had to get that win. Does he bring that same mindset to the race on Sunday? Well, I think he has to because, as you mentioned, the struggle at Charlotte was real. They, they just could not keep up with the other playoff cars. These group of playoff teams are setting such a torrid pace. They continually run inside the top 15, enough, if not the top 10. So a top 15, top 20 at Kansas is not going to be good enough for Brad Keselowski. So this track has to be circled. But I agree with what you said in practice. Probably one of the most underrated NASCAR restrictor plate driver. We talk so much about Darren Hunt Jr. and his resume deserves it. But Brad's resume deserves the conversation as well. And you don't have as many conversations. There's something about Brad when he gets to the front of these packs. He has this comfort, as you mentioned, to put it all on the line with aggressive blocking. We don't maybe see as many aggressive moves getting to the front. But what you see right here at two points below the cutoff, I think if he does get that oh-so-important track position, it needs to be everything risking an accident to try to protect it. And looking at that leaderboard, you have to, as a competitor, you have to look and say, okay, I can beat this guy, I can beat this guy, I can beat that. If, if you look at that leaderboard going to Kansas, how many of those people above Brad Keselowski does he feel like he can really beat on this year, where he openly has said, we don't have the speed that right. we need? So you're, look, you're, you're, you're having to go the round of eight which means you're going to have to take on the eight best. How are you going to get there? And I think for him and for many teams, that starts really on Sunday here. Hey, well, Carolyn, it goes back to Denny Hamlin's comments. I know he would like for this to be a calm first stage and second stage, but when you look at Brad Kozlowski, we just talked about his numbers. We just showed you where he was on points. I don't see how Brad Kozlowski can allow that. I think he has to be the guy saying, you might want it to be calm. I'm not going to let it. I'm here for all the points I can receive. Jeff, just very quickly, we've heard Martin Truex Jr. say that he may need to adjust his mentality, be a jerk, to quote him. This mentality that you're talking about that Brad Kozlowski has, is that something that can be learned, or does a driver just have that? Well, I think, you, I think you're constantly learning. I think you have to... You, you have to race this racetrack. Number one, if your car has the speed, you have to race this racetrack with utmost, just, just go gouge, go be extremely aggressive. If your car doesn't have the speed and you try to be that aggressive, you're just continually go to the back. And so if you have the speed, you set the pace. You make people respond to you. And that's what they all want. They all want fast enough race cars to be able to push the issue and make things happen. But again, if you don't have a car fast enough, and I think Keselowski does, but if you don't have a car fast enough and you're trying to do that, you, you, there's no way you're going to get to the front. You're going to continue to go to the back because you're going to make moves that your car is not capable of doing. The people around you figure that out, and they say, you know what? I'm not working with him anymore because he's dragging me to the back. A slow race car, and an aggressive driver, those two things do not work out well here at Talladega. All right, Jeff, well, you mentioned outliers earlier in the show. Daniel Suarez not racing for a championship this year, but he could play the role of spoiler at Talladega this weekend. And earlier today, he spoke with Marty Snyder while also sporting some new colors. Well, Carolyn, if you want to find Daniel Suarez this weekend, you got to look for the Camping World colors. A little different look for the 19 car, but it's a cool look. And I want to know from you, only a handful of drafting practice laps in the first practice session. With a young guy like you, do you would you like to have more if you could? I wish we could have more, but the thing is that, you know, on, this, on these days, you know, no, nobody wants to wreck on practice. Right. Uh, we have our best piece as a primary, and, and we have to race with that. And I remember watching NASCAR when I was racing k and stuff. Uh, everyone was working on practice and stuff because they were making big, big groups. And, and everyone was, and, you know, racing with the backups or the backups of the backups. Yeah, so right. I feel like right now we have a good piece, uh, but we don't really know what we got on, on the draft all the way until Sunday. But overall, uh, you know, we have had two races already. 
three races in Super mm. Speedways, and uh, and I feel pretty good about it. So very excited about this weekend, Camping World. Obviously, uh, came on board, um, kind of like last minute thing, but but they they've been nothing but great so far, and uh, looking forward to to have a good a good race uh, as a first race with them. You, you mentioned the handful of races you have in the Cup Series where the restricted plate races, but this one's a little different. You have three teammates in the playoffs. What's sort of your role Sunday to maybe help the playoff guys a little bit that are on Joe, in Joe Gibbs Racing? You know, it's very tough. I wish I wish I can help them a little bit, but on these kind of races, you have to you have to take care of yourself, and uh, and, it, and it's how it works. And uh, you have to try to make moves and try to move to the front. And once you're in the front. You, you are going to be in a safe spot, but uh, but the the problem is to make it to the front. Right. Everyone is going to try to do the same thing. So honestly, I really feel confidence coming here in the last couple of races, Daytona and then Talladega here. I feel like we we had uh, strong runs. We're running the front and and we made some good moves. And I learned a lot. I've been watching a lot of film and. And overall, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, two years ago, I, I, I used to hate <laughs> Super Speedway <laughs> racing, and uh, right now I kind of like it. I, I feel like this is something very different, very unique, where you have to have a very good patient strategy, move, make right moves at the right time, and, and I feel like slowly I'm learning all that kind of stuff. He's grown to love plate racing, you know what? And it could be helpful for those Joe Gibbs Racing teammates as they try to move forward here in the playoffs. Marty, no doubt about that. Suarez also with top tens in four of his last five races. Coming up, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has won the last two races on restrictor plate tracks. A win this Sunday would place him beside one of NASCAR's all-time legends. We're going to hear from Stenhouse when we come back right here on NASCAR America. Stay with us. We are live at Talladega today and all weekend long, qualifying tomorrow at 4 p.m. But if you're looking to go from the track to the pitch, Premier League mornings are here on NBCSN as well. English football's two most successful clubs meeting at the historic Anfield. Manchester United making a visit uh, to Liverpool. That's tomorrow, 7.30 Eastern, right here on NBCSN. Well, you just saw uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. there as one of the playoff drivers featured. Nearly 30 years ago, restrictor plates became mandatory for Daytona and Talladega. And since then, only a handful of drivers have really been able to master the art of pack racing. And in 2017, it was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. that added his name to the mix. We've been terrible for a long time. This year, every race, we're getting better and better. I had to ask Brad Keselowski how to start a race on the pole. It's been a long time since we started there. This is the moment our race car driver lives for. Looking for his second win in the Cup Series. He's going to get it at the biggest stage. Boys, you had this thing to die. And if Ricky Stenhouse Jr. can grab the checkered flag this Sunday, he will join Dale Earnhardt Sr. as the only drivers to win three straight on plate tracks. And our Rutledge Woods spoke to Stenhouse just a short time ago. Thanks, Carolyn. It was a busy week for you, Ricky Stenhouse. Two days of testing, a quick trip home. How did you cram so much stuff into one week? Yeah, we uh, we definitely crammed her in. So. You know, started with a test at Martinsville Tuesday, Wednesday, which uh, went fairly good, and then uh, flew to Mississippi and got up the next morning, went to a friend of ours' farm, Cedar Hill Farms, and they bus loads of kids come in and take, uh, you know, little uh, field trips and go through the corn maze, which was in the shape of the number 17 car, so that was really neat. 
went down there, hung out with the kids, signed autographs, and you know did that for a few hours, and then road tripped it backwoods, uh, back roads all the way to you know here to here to Talladega. How long did it take you all back roads? Because that's that's the right way to travel, right? Two lanes. Yeah, I'd made a few detours. Went to uh, Tupelo to a fastenal store where my cousin uh, manages the store. Stopped in, surprised him. Went down to a friend of ours that uh, builds Blue Delta jeans and makes me some jeans. And saw their little manufacturing place. And all in all, it took me about 10 hours to get here. And it probably should have only taken about four and a half I went through Tuscaloosa and saw A.J. McCarron. He had a new uh, little sushi place there in town, and he was in town for the grand opening. Swung by there and uh, then made it to Talladega. So from jeans to a corn maze, uh, testing sushi and back roads, it's been a full week. It has been a full week, and we got two good days left and ready to go. I tell you what, Carolyn, you can see the pep in my man's step here. Knowing he's won here, knowing how fast he is around this track, it's going to be a good weekend for this guy. <laughs> Rutledge, thank you. So a very busy week uh, thus far for Ricky Stenhouse Jr., that's for sure. He's 10 points below the cut line right now, Steve, but heading to a track where he's certainly confident. Yeah, I'm exhausted listening to that week. That's more than I think I want to do in any week. But coming to a track, as you mentioned, that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. should have confidence because he has success. He won here in the spring, and I think that turned everybody's heads a little bit. But then when he backed that up at Daytona and has been very vocal that not only has he gotten better at the restrictor plate tracks, but he gave credit to Brian Patty, his crew chief, and to Doug Yates, who works at Roush Yates Engines, to build great power. He said that the car drove great and it had great horsepower. So while he deflect a little of the credit I think he has that same advantage here I think he has a fast race car great horsepower we've already talked about how dominant the Fords have been so I don't see a reason why Ricky Stenhouse Jr. shouldn't be one of the favorites to win but Carolyn I know this is counterproductive I don't think it's a must win Jeff even though 10 points behind everybody's looking at this as his chance to win and move forward just think if he comes out of here with a lot of points maybe gets himself plus 10 above the bubble I think he's running well enough the mile and a half so maybe not to gain 20 points but if he had a 10 or 15 point head start going into Kansas, I do think he could run well enough to advance to the round of eight. Well, but here's the thing. I, I, th I think that's true as long as he gains finish points, like have a really good finish and gain a lot of stage points because this team proved to all of us at Dover how much the stage points matter. They risked everything to get those stage points and they got them. They found a way to make it happen. So for me, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and this team, they have they – have, proven that they just do not have the speed they've been working very hard they've been trying aggressively to get that speed but they just don't have it at the mile and a half so yes i don't think it's a must win but it's a must they must have a very successful weekend that meaning stage points and and a really good finish they're going to have to have both because remember if you're not earning stage points at kansas and everybody you're racing against is that that's how you can lose those points very very quickly the way that they moved in after Dover is the way they can move out at Kansas. This race is vital to that team. They have no doubt changed the course of things. Jeff, you ready to look at a little tape here? We know you climbed into the Toyota on-track Camry to take some hot laps to Talladega. We're going to really break it down and have you tell us about the many challenges that drivers are going to be facing this weekend when we come back. Welcome back. Another live look at Talladega. Pretty nice day to start the weekend. Partly cloudy there in the mid-80s. Just the right kind of weather for Jeff Burton to jump into the Toyota Intrac Camry and take us around NASCAR's longest track. 
All right, Carolyn. Well, I'm going to take you for a lap at Talladega Super Speedway. The big difference between this racetrack and Daytona, they're both super speedways, but is the width of this racetrack. Look how wide it is. I can run anywhere. I can go four wide, really no problem at Talladega. Coming out of turn two, very smooth racetrack. Look at how wide the back straightaway is. Of course, this double yellow line, you can't run below that to advance your position. That's may as well be a wall right there. Really wide entrance again, three wide, easy, four wide, a little tight on corner entry, but through the middle of these corners, easy four wide. It's just a big wide racetrack, super fast. Cars don't handle very bad. The biggest issue is right here on the travel. This bottom lane has less banking. See how flat it is right here? It's less banking than the, race, less than the rest of the racetrack. A lot of problems happen in the travel. Jeff, thank you. And here's a live look at another Toyota. This is the 18 Camry getting ready for the weekend. We've had a rare opportunity on today's show to be on the track and around as teams are getting ready for an unpredictable weekend. Let's check in with Rutledge Wood once more. Rutledge, I know Pee Wee gave you his favorite pair of jean shorts earlier. Have you found any other fans to help you out for the weekend? <laughs> I tell you what, Carolyn, if it's fans you're looking for, Talladega has tons of them. I'm telling you what, and some of them I found this morning when I came into the track. I saw this beautiful custom golf cart that looks like a Peterbilt. This thing was hand-built. That's the level of awesome that Talladega brings. And the family of the guy that built it brought it here. It's beautiful. But as you take a walk, we're here on Talladega Boulevard. I mean, this place just screams fun. The Dega Bomb Boys are here. Oh, Jello shots. Thank you. I'll save that for later. We only got another 20 minutes of work. Look over here. We got a great bar set up. They're MCing, having a good time. You guys are sharp. What's up, brother? How you doing? Saw you in Texas. Hey, what's up? Truex fans. They need to get a Tundra then. So right over here, you've got a bunch of friends down here from Memphis with one hell of a junior bar. I tell you what, you guys, this is go junior. Whose plate was that? That was mine. From McCracken. Was that Philip? Philip McCracken? No, That's no, that was my county. that was my county. Fair enough. Western yeah, Kentucky. Go is, Cats. Is this your go kart? This is my son's uh, little hot rod. Um, it's retrofitted with uh, stuff. But yeah. yes, sir, <laughs> that is my one-year-old's little wagon. That that's, so many people have walked up and said, "I love your wagon." That thing is that thing's unbelievable. We've got all his friends down here from Memphis, and even and even this guy's down here from Vermont. <laughs> A lot of people don't make it as far as you do for the race. Are you excited to hang with the friends? Definitely. I'm from Memphis now, though. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. Ken Squire is going to be happy just shaking Vermont off like that. Are you pulling for Junior as well? Uh, of course. You have to be, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is the weekend to do it. Definitely. This guy knows what you're talking about. I see you back there. You're looking good. Sun's out, guns out, Carolyn. Those are words to live by here at Talladega this weekend. But anywhere you go, there are junior fans, and there are tons of great NASCAR fans ready to have a good time. We do compensate and Rutledge uh, for his services, but we have a feeling he would do it for free. <laughs> he would be out there for free Carolyn, walking tonight, the <laughs> yes, Tonight, right. Carolyn, you can hop in a plane. You can join us for the big one. A huge parade's going to come right down here. Uh, Steve Letarte's going to be there, Jeff Burton, and I'm sure the Dega boys will be there. You guys looking good over there. All right, send me your private jet. I will jet down there right after the show. <laughs> Thank you, Rutledge. We appreciate it. You saw all the Junior fans, Junior Nation in full effect. Talladega is Earnhardt country. And, of course, Junior presented with a really nice gift we showed you at the top of the show. Multiple gifts for the sport's most popular driver. We're going to revisit the day that Junior had when we come back. Stick around.
nothing like Talladega, one of the most unpredictable races we see all year. Our coverage continues on Saturday afternoon, qualifying at 4 Eastern. Sunday, catch NASCAR America at 1 Eastern and then switch over to NBC, the round of 12 continuing in the playoffs. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has six cup wins at Talladega. His father, Dale Sr., leads all drivers with 10. This is a track that means so much to their family. And earlier today, Jr. was surprised with his father's Chevy from his championship in 1980. Let's revisit the conversation that Jr. had with Marty Snyder after this special moment. Well, how about that? Happy birthday, huh? Of all the birthday gifts you got, and how's that one ranked? That was great. Uh track's gonna uh, actually the the state of Alabama owns this car and they're gonna let us take it to uh, uh, Mooresville North Carolina and show it around uh, in our in our shop so it's gonna be fun for the guys and I got to take it for a couple laps that was fun <laughs> I drove it through the garage so all the guys on the team could see it uh, pretty neat just trying to imagine you know what it'd be like you know running one in around here to 180 190 mile an hour so for for those at home who don't know help us understand what this car exactly is well this car is a uh, 1979 monte carlo uh dad drove this car in uh in uh, his rookie season he probably ran in his cup uh, championship season two in 1980 and um they ran a uh they ran a Monte Carlo here in 79, but in, in uh, 80, they ran a Oldsville 442. <laughs> but this was, uh, this was a car, this is the kind of car he ran at Bristol and all the short tracks and mile and a half. How many chances have you actually gotten to drive one of your dad's race cars? Is this one of the, the few times? Well, I drove his uh, number three Goodrich car a couple times uh, at some tests um, that first year we were together. But never anything old like this, you know, with some real history. and. I love to be able to sit in the car and just see the perspective of how much, uh, you know, what what the view was like. And um, so different than our cars today, you know, no, there's no headrest or nothing like that. And you just kind of see everything and, and, and uh, a lot of wind moving around and pretty crazy. Of all the things you've gotten, is this the biggest surprise, Dale? I'm uh, I'm pretty surprised. I didn't think I was going to take home a, a race car to, from this, uh, this weekend, but... Uh, just got to thank Talladega Speedway, state of Alabama. They've been really good to me, and hopefully we can get them a win this weekend. This place has been good to Dale Earnhardt Jr., and today the track repays him a little bit. How cool is that? Championship car from Dale Earnhardt Sr., Rod Osterlin, the owner. Back then, Doug Richard was a crew chief. How about that? He Dale, Dale Earnhardt Jr. now gets to keep that car. Steve, what an incredible gift. Dale Earnhardt Jr. posting this just a short time ago on his Instagram account. You know him better than most. What do you think is possible for him this weekend? Well, Carolyn, I think the last few years at Talladega have been a struggle, but from what I saw in practice today, it looked like the Dale Jr. of old. He was very aggressive, making those side draft moves that he made so famous, moving up the pack. So, Jeff, I think he has a chance. Oh, I do, too. I think he has a real shot. I think that we saw the speed, uh, and I think he understands that this is – this is his shot right here. This is his best shot to get a win in his final year. Hey, Carolyn, though, we did have a friend set something up. I was worried that as the sun went down, the party was going to heat up. It's been a fun day, but I got some scissors here so I can get some jorts made for Rutledge Wood. And we can cut his hair, <laughs> okay, too, Carolyn. That's it for Fix NASCAR America. America. Have a great weekend. We'll see you there. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.